0: You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church located in Elk Point, South Dakota. If you would please turn to the book of 2 Timothy is where we're gonna begin this morning. And we are still, you know, looking at why, why we are the way we are and, and being what God wants us to be. Um, I'm just kinda of doing some closing lessons. I'm, Try not to be redundant, uh, but in Second uh, Timothy chapter three is where I want to begin because I want to talk about what's at the root, really, of all of our weaknesses. And so, once again, helping to identify and kind of diagnose what's at the root of our weaknesses and our temperament weaknesses will will give us the strength to be able to seek God for help in these areas, to recognize it, to admit it, and confess it. I think one of the one of the most detrimental things that we do sometimes as Christians is we don't, we don't confess our sin as sin. You know, I mean, we will confess, you know, the ones that we, you know, that, that we know and we think of more as sins. You know, maybe if we lie or maybe you have, a, have an a, adulterous or a fornication type thought, you know, like, oh, Lord, forgive me. But sometimes we, we're, 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 we, we don't confess our anger like we should as sin, and go to God and say, Lord, forgive me. I have sinned. Uh, I, let, uh, I let my flesh well up and I, was, I got angry. Our fear, our worry. We don't confess those things of sin. And I think that's one of the reasons a lot of times that we don't get help. We almost just gloss over these things and not confess and repent of these things. You say, well, how can I, re- how can I repent? You know, because depending on the temperament, as we'll say again in just a moment, you know, you're so prone to anger you're, or you're so prone to fear and worry. Uh, well, preacher, if I if I repent of it today, I mean, or, or right now, I feel like maybe an hour from now I may have to do it again. Well, you may have to do it again, <laughs> um, but do it again. And but I really believe the more that we 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 address it, confess it for what it is, the more we can get help, and the more God can begin to help us heal and give us strength through these things. Uh, but we're going to look at the, I believe what's at the root of all of our weaknesses and address these things, and try to get some help. On recognizing it, I think it'll help us defeat it, and that is selfishness. So this whole Sunday school lesson is going to be devoted to selfishness. Um, uh, Do you consider yourself uh, to have to ever struggle with selfishness, selfish issues, self-centeredness? It 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 shows itself in many forms. It really does, and we'll look at those in just a moment. But in I had you turn to Second Timothy chapter three verse two. This is warning about the last days, and it's very true. But in chapter 3 verse 2 the Bible says uh, Without natural affection I'm sorry that's, chapter, that's verse 3 In chapter 3 verse 2 Verse 2 says For men shall be lovers of their own selves And I, believe, I feel like these verses That that's a headline for what comes next Lovers of themselves What does that look like? It looks like covetous Boasters Proud Blasphemers Disobedient to parents Unthankful unholy, uh, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such turn away. Now there is a larger scope to what's being addressed here in uh, when we consider about the last days, but the point is that selfishness is at the heart of all this. It starts with being lovers of ourselves and then I believe all these things stem from that. Selfishness is the bottom line of your weakness. Philippians chapter 2 verse 4 says, Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Um, and I, I was thinking about this when we study about selfishness. Is there, is there a time in life where selfishness is good? Don't answer too quickly. Is there ever a time in your life where selfishness is or was good? That's the big hint. Is is or was good? That's right. When you're a baby, right? I mean, now it, it, obviously there are sinful things developed, but the fact that that baby's always crying, crying, is selfish. But that's good <laughs> because they're letting you know I'm hungry. I need to be held. And sometimes they lie and say they're hungry and and stuff when they're not, uh, or whatever. They just want that, uh, the attention. But the b- bottom line is, is there, there's a part of that, but we don't consider that selfishness in the same way because, but that's just something that's programmed in by God for them to be able to take, for us to be able to survive. But on the sinful side of things, it's also programmed into us, I believe from the fall, uh, in the garden of Eden. Uh, so egotism is induced by our temperament. Uh, it's, and then it's either increased or decreased. Now, this is really important when we talk about the temperance. When well, we didn't say a lot about this, about why you are the way that you are, because temperament obviously is the main factor that we've been focusing on. However, certain, certain traits of our temperaments, including selfishness, can either be increased or decreased depending on childhood training. If you had, if you had a parent that was, was either... You know, would either call you out or nurture you in some other kind of way, admonish you or nurture you and help you. Then maybe there's some of these things that you uh, that you've maybe you still struggle with, but you were taught in such a way, you were brought up in such a way to where you at least were able to recognize these things were wrong. So, so egotism, selfishness can be increased or decreased depending on childhood training, love or lack of love, youthful experiences education and other factors people are raised as only uh, as only children are often considered to be more selfish and a in a greater marriage risk I'm sorry I, I read that weird uh, people some people say that people that are raised an only child are greater marriage risk uh, just because they've been, just the only source of attention, and I wouldn't pick on an only child because you don't have nothing to do with the fact that you're an only child, but some people would just say that because they did not have to share, and for whatever it's worth, and again, this is not picking on somebody that's an only child because, again, you had nothing to do with that, and it's nothing bad being an only child. Am I clear on that? But just studies show that children that were raised in larger families and had to learn to share uh attention food everything had to learn to share uh for the most part studies show they are more successful in their marriages which doesn't mean an only child can't be successful in their marriage i didn't say are you saying no i'm not saying that but it's just showing that there can be a greater tendency towards selfishness um Selfishness is a destroyer of relationships, and that's where we start talking about marriage. Selfish Selfishness is one of the things that's plagued mankind from the fall of the Garden of Eden. And really, when you think about the Garden of Eden and the temptation there, ye shall be as gods, uh, you know, knowing good and evil. The temptation was, hey, don't you really want this? It, it was, he was, uh, Satan was appealing to her selfishness, uh, and, and, and she bought into it. So from the very beginning, Cain, the same way, God said, hey, bring, bring, a, bring a lamb, bring a sacrifice. Instead, he brought the fruit of the ground. He was selfish. God said, I'm going to give you another chance. Uh, but he was selfish. And he, of course, killed Abel out of selfishness, out of uh, just a, a hatred. But it, I believe the result of it is selfishness. A study of human history will will reveal man's inhumanity to man caused by selfishness, which is the basic cause of all heartache and misery from the beginning of time unto the 21st century. It is one sin that has caused more human suffering than any other. It has destroyed more interpersonal relationships and sparked more conflict than any other. Selfish persons think first, last, and always of themselves obviously that's to the extreme, such an attitude appears most clearly in the conversation and conduct, particularly in the home, the central arena of life. When two lovebirds say their vows that they're going to love, honor, and cherish one another so long as we both shall live, they mean it, they hope that to be the case, but whether they do that or not is not it, whether they live happily ever after is not dependent on how much money they make or where they live. And it's certainly not dependent on how good looking they are or how much education they have. It all depends on how selfish they are. It really is. You think about it. That's, that's the key. Uh, how selfish are they or how unselfish are they? Um, selfishness is really probably the main destroyer of marriage. And, of course, we could pause and say, because when I'm talking about selfishness being the most detrimental sin, we don't think of it that way, right? Because in marriage, it's not, you know, he was selfish, so where there was irreconcilable differences. It was, he was an adulterer. Or, he, or, or she went and spent our money without, you know, it just, just blew. And, and, and what was she She was being selfish. Um, he, he or she wouldn't show me attention, didn't want to spend time with me. You know, you know, all these marital problems, whatever they may be, they were, they insisted on having their way all the time. It had to be their way or it was no way. They were throwing pity parties. They were always angry. I'm telling you, all these things, are. it's selfishness. Selfishness is at the heart. So we can list all these other things, but selfishness is what destroys marriages and many other relationships. Um. And, and so, uh, yeah, I, I guess I already kind of said some of my things, but uh, selfishness uh, being, you know, every contributing factor to matrimonial breakdown from communication problems to sexual differences to financial pressures and even the emotional conflicts of anger and fear can all be traced to selfishness. This is uh, an adult Sunday school class, so I can mention this. I'd, I could mention it with, uh, I'll mention it with discretion now for that matter, but in, in when in, when paul's talking to the corinthians uh not just looked over at gate and like cut the feet off but no she don't need to but when paul talked to the corinthians uh he, he he addressed marriage between a husband and wife and he literally spoke to a husband and wife about not defrauding one another which literally in the context he's saying don't be withholding sex from your partner it's selfishness that does that uh it's only thinking about self and uh, and so that that's obviously one of the, the ways that selfishness can uh, you know it's it's I, it's it's a stereotypical thing, but unfortunately I think there's some truth in wives teaching their husbands a lesson by that. I'll teach him. I'll show him. Right? Uh, and using it as a tool, but the Bible the Bible literally addresses that and says, "Do not defraud one another. Do not keep from your husband or from your wife." That which is theirs, Um, that's selfishness. But again, it's all traced back to selfishness. Nothing is more destructive to a marriage than selfishness. Those that insist on having their own way, how about this one? Always wanting the last word, selfishness. Um, I can spend our money as I please, selfishness. I wanted a vacation in the mountains this summer instead of the beach. Therefore, either I'm not going or I'll go and make every last one of you regret that we went to the place you wanted to go instead of the place I wanted to go. Selfishness. Uh, Eye problems. Uh, So eye problems create a myopic marriage partner. Somebody just short-sighted, they can't see. Uh, Selfish people are rigid and intolerant of other people's desires and insensitive to others' needs or feelings. Selfishness re- relates its way when when we, when we don't care about how other people feel about what we say or, or, or what we do. Now, it's almost humanly impossible to love a compulsively selfish person. Um, somebody said something to the, to the extent of three... Uh, Oh, no, that, uh, I'm sorry, that was something I meant to check there, but so many people that experience failure in relationships over and over and over and over again, oftentimes there may be selfishness at the heart, selfishness at the heart. Anyone considering marriage should carefully examine the prospect of partner's partner's treatment of others, especially family members, um, for consideration of Uh, other people becomes a significant indication of future uh, marital harmony. You ever heard those things like, you know, if you're, if you're looking at it, if it's a girl checking out a guy, see how he treats his mom. See how he treats other women. See how he acts around other women because that'll, that'll be a good indicator. And I think it could be said for, uh, you know, men or boys looking at uh, a prospective wife. You know, how does she treat others? Is she mean-spirited? Is she, uh, is she spiteful? Those are things that you've got to be, be aware that those things could rear themselves back up uh, in the marriage. Okay. Uh, when it has to do with getting married, uh, some people will select a marriage partner for all the wrong reasons and, and introduce their selfish agenda into the new union, destroying interpersonal, uh, re, uh, interpersonal skills and soon erasing all feelings of love. Um, a person, you know, when, when people are asked like, how old does a person need to get, be to be married? I, I think the main thing is, is how mature do they need to be to get married, right? It's not so much about age. Well, I mean, within reason, of course, but uh, it's not so much about age as it is uh, maturity. Uh, egotism, self-centeredness, self-contemplation, self-consciousness. We don't think about that as selfishness, do we? I mean, you think about that. You think about as a, and this, this again, I'm, I'm going to get and deal with selfishness with each temperament, so bear with me because, uh, if, if, of course, you, we pick on melancholy sometimes. Even if I'm not picking on melancholies, I'm probably picking on melancholy temperament. But this can be a, a wife that's complimentary of her husband and refuses to receive compliments. Or a wife, the same thing. They're so self-conscious that, which is a form of selfishness, they don't allow that, you know, they don't, they don't allow that encouragement. They don't allow their loved one the, the edification of, you know, be, being a part of, 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 of being, being joyful with their uh, mate. Now, anyway, so self-consciousness, uh, many other words can use to be described, but they do not, they do not limit the fact that the, human, the basic human weakness is selfishness. Consider the standard of the Ten Commandments, and you'll find that an unselfish person uh, will have a, a whole lot easier time keeping the Ten Commandments. And of course, Ten Commandments were given as a, as a standard to show that we can't keep God's standard, but, but the reason we can't live up to God's holiness is because of our selfishness. Because if we're not selfish toward God, if if we're unselfish toward God, we're not going to put other gods before him. We're not going to take his name in vain. And we know for a fact that if I'm not selfish, what else am I not going to do? Give me some Ten Commandments here. What what are you or I not going to do if we're unselfish? We're not going to steal. What else? Covet? We're not selfish. We're we're glad. Uh, I mean, we're thankful at another's prosperity. We're glad that Ralph got a new job and a raise. We're not sitting there thinking, well, man, I've done more than I, I say that because if you weren't here, Ralph got up and shared his testimony about his job. There shouldn't be anybody seething and thinking, well, what's, what's right? Does he got to make? Well, you know, no, that's covetousness. So, so what's another one of the Ten Commandments that we, if we're unselfish or if, if we're unselfish, we're not going to be prone to, but the fact that we are selfish means we're going to be prone to, lies thou shalt not bear false witness we're going to lie that's selfishness why do we lie there's almost always a selfish reason behind it and anybody said adultery i say i know i've said it already but all these things are selfishness uh do we miss any yeah keeping god number one ron yeah, it's to business, so you have to yeah there you go this is my time i this is this is my life uh, you know, I'm, uh, this is, what, what right does God have to tell me what I can do and when I can do it and everything? So anything else I'm missing? There you go. Okay. Thou shalt not kill. That's a selfish thing. Um, why are we going to kill? What, what, what you say? Well, that's, that comes from anger. Yeah, but where does that come from? Uh, what gives us a right to think that we have a right to be so angry that we can take another's life? So the, the bottom line is, is that, you can see that at the heart is selfishness. Uh, Take the matter of adultery, a raging problem in our day. Selfish men and women think only of the gratification of their lust, not the marital commitments. They don't think about their partner. They think, you know, uh, uh, a married, you know, what's the things that people think? They think, you know, number one, a lot of times it's a man or woman at work a lot of times is how these things will manifest themselves. And, the thing a lot of times, depending on your job, sometimes the person you see at work, you see on their best behavior, right? Because not too many men come into work and throw their underwear and leave them on the floor, right? And stink up the bathroom and so forth and so on. I mean, that's not too many guys do that at work. Not too many women uh, roll over and have morning breath uh, at work. Some of them do, believe me, but not many. So what happens, it's just, it's just this weird, men and women working together like we do, in, especially in our modern culture, is uh, you, you think about it. We see, and I say that because that's where so many of these relationships originate. Um, we, we, we see people at their best. We don't see people at their worst. Uh, you know, so a guy thinks, wow, man, that girl's making eyes at me. My wife hasn't made those kind of eyes at me in a while. Well, of course not. You know, look how you are at work, look how you present yourself at work, look what your wife has to see and smell and pick up and so forth. Of course that of course that lady's making eyes at you. You're all made up and looking good. And it's the same way with the with the ladies. Oh wow. You know, man, well, well he seems to be giving me a lot of attention. Yeah, because he hadn't seen how big of a hag you can be and a an nag and whatever, you know. It's like you're, whatever the case may be. Uh, <laughs> And I'm not saying that, but I'm, I'm going to extremes on that just to make the point that sometimes we, we selfishly think, but what we're doing is basically we're thinking of ourselves. And listen, there's the things. That one of the things that's difficult for, uh, I, think, I, I know it's difficult for ladies, it's got to be, the Bible says that wives are to reverence their husbands. The, in other words, wives are to give respect to their husbands, unconditional respect. In the same chapter in Ephesians 5 where it says that women or that men should unconditionally love their wives, there's an implication that women should give unconditional respect to their husbands. How easy is that, ladies? Unconditional respect. He's been lazy all day. And, you know, whatever. He's, 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 this, this project was supposed to be done a year ago or five years ago or whatever. I, I'm not giving this guy respect. He hasn't earned it. Okay, sis. How much, of, how much love have you earned exactly? How much love have you earned? Because is, is that, that's the standard. You remember, Jesus said, judge not lest you be judged, except for with the, the same measure that you judge, it'll be measured to you again, basically. That's what's happening, men and women, when we do this. You know, Whether you're the man saying, she needs to give me respect, and I'm not going to give her love until she gives me respect. But we're being hypocritical. Because in both cases, it's supposed to be done unconditionally. The point that I'm trying to get back to is this, because that's an important point. But the point that I'm trying to make is that the reason God says to, that for, for men, just for men that, that men need to have the respect of their wives is that just like that women need to be loved, not that men don't, but men, women need that love, men need that respect. That is the way God made man. That's one reason he said to do it. Because there is an egotism there. Now, some of it is a a confidence that's needed for the man to be the man of God that he needs to be. The thing that a man needs to guard against is really letting that go into egotism and selfishness and so forth. Now, I'll just say this before I move on. Since I talked about unconditionally loving your wife and unconditionally respecting your husband, you want to know something amazing that God will do? I'm so confident in this. I believe this that if if a man will say say a wife maybe her her deserving her level of deserving love right now just well just let's just say it's down here somewhere Uh, if if a man will love his wife like this is the amount that she deserves guess what will happen that wife will begin to climb and begin to loan to be more in that place where she's to, to, to be loved to act like she what i'm trying to say to live in the way that she deserves the love she's being given does that make sense it's the same way with ladies you try it start showing respect to your husband your lazy husband your smelly husband uh, and you see if there's not another side of him that doesn't want to start saying you know what I'd like to earn that. But let's try this. Let's try it our way. Let's try it man's way. That's what people do, isn't it? You ain't deserve no love. I'm not giving you any love. I hope, sure hope this makes her more lovable. I'm not giving you any respect till you earn it. I'm going to treat you like dirt. I'm going to point out your every flaw. I'm going to embarrass you in front of everybody we see. Hopefully that'll motivate him to be a better person. What you do is you just keep growing further and further apart. You can't do that. I mean, uh, that doesn't work. We, in, in, our, in our twisted mind, sometimes we think that's going to work. You know what? I'm done with her. I'm not giving her nothing, not giving her any attention, not giving her any special treatment until she starts acting better. Uh, man, you're in for a long, long, sad road. So, again, getting back to the thing with, with, with men and respect there is a certain thing to where you can say it's selfish, and it can cross into selfishness. But I do just want to say that God is the one who said that, that women ought to reverence their husband. There's something about that. So as challenging as that, that may be, that's what the Lord said to do. And here's the thing. If you, if you do what God says to do, guess what you're doing? You're getting closer to God, the two of you. And even if it's just one of you, whatever the case may be. But when you're doing what God says to do, you're getting closer to God. And as you get closer to God, you get closer to one another. But when you're doing opposite, you know, when, when you're doing love and respect, you're growing closer to God and each other. But when you're doing the opposite of that, you're getting further away from God and further away from one another. And it makes marriage very, very challenging, uh, to say the very least. So, unselfishness. I, um, kind of got off on that. Uh, t- I was talking about adultery. I was talking about somebody's lust in adultery, not considering their marital commitments. Unselfish people, even in the face of temptation, consider how their actions will affect their spouses. i got to say this, by the way. Uh, yes, unselfishness recognizes the hurt that adultery or fornication could have on their loved one, their wife, their kids. Uh, but get a little wisdom from God's Word and you'll start figuring out that you're going to get a snare to yourself. You know, if if you if you if you really care about yourself, you'll steer far clear from her corner. You'll get as far away from that temptation, man or woman, whichever whichever way it is, you'll get as far away from that 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 person and that situation as possible. Not, if for no other reason, for for self-preservation, because I'm telling you, you're going to pay the price. I heard years ago man it stuck with me. It was It was a little unusual, but I was listening to some radio program early in the morning. And uh, I remember it was just still dark outside. And I was driving, listening to this radio program, and this guy was singing a song. But uh, he and his wife go around, uh, you know, encouraging and speaking to to couples. But he, uh, he sung a song, What I Wouldn't Give. And he was talking about the temptation to commit adultery. And it was a, it's a very odd song, I mean, in a sense. But he was, because he's singing about what, what the, the title of the song is What I Wouldn't Give. And, of course, he's borrowing that terminology from what people may say. A man or woman is tempted by, and we'll just, in this case, use him. He was singing the song as a man being tempted by another woman. And what I wouldn't give to be with her. What I wouldn't give to be able to spend a night with a woman like that. And, you know, through, through the song, he's just saying, man, her lips, her touch, her, her looks, man, just this beauty. What I wouldn't give. But then the next verse talks about where wisdom starts getting in. Then he says, what I wouldn't give. I wouldn't give my wife's trust for that woman. I wouldn't give my children's smile and joy for that woman. So then he actually starts listing the things that he would not. Here's what I would not give to be in this adulterous relationship. This is what I wouldn't give. Uh. And it was just, uh, I probably didn't describe it that well, but it was just an interesting thing because it changes your mindset. You know, what I wouldn't give. And it's like, well, here's what I wouldn't give. Uh, it's, it's wisdom and unselfishness toward your family, but it's also toward yourself in that regard. Uh, okay, now we're going to get in uh, this last little part with temperament and selfishness. The first contributing cause of selfishness... Um, emanates from the gene pool of our parents in the form of our inherited temperaments. Yet two people of identical temperament may reflect very, excuse me, varying degrees of selfishness when they grow up. This can depend on how uh, two sets of parents loved and disciplined these children or failed to discipline their children. Behavior. Uh, We must remember behavior depends on many things, including temperament, childhood training, love, life experiences, and spiritual maturity. So we may have the exact same temperament, but it doesn't mean that we're going to display the same level of weaknesses or strengths. Of course, we've kind of disclosed some of that with uh, the work of the Holy Spirit of God. Now, looking at the temperaments, sanguine, we always start with the sanguine, which it's, it's, it's so ironic in a way. And I say this probably every time just about. But anytime we go through these lists, it always starts with sanguine. And I've told you, Evan likes to give me a hard time about that because it is a little bit ironic. Because sanguines usually are, ooh, me, me first! Me first! And so it's funny how these lists, I just, everyone that I've ever studied, they always list sanguine first. So maybe they're just giving it to them, us. Okay, sanguines are natural born egotists. It never crosses their minds that everyone doesn't love them. They like to be the center of attention and of attraction, captivating other people with their endless conversation. But if you listen to their talking long enough, you will discover that they are, that they are their own favorite persons. <laughs> Most of what they say revolves around their interests, their desires, their stories, their things, and I can say this from personal experience, it literally, I, to talk about never cross. it's never crossed my mind that you cannot be totally fascinated with this <laughs> i'm telling you a story about me i'm telling you a story about something that interests me how did this not interest you and i've shared this before but i thank god i've said it and i can't even list the ways if i could list the ways melanie wouldn't want me to put it into poetry but if i could List the ways that she has helped me, but uh, just, and many of you have heard this, but so just bear with me, but it's, but it's a great example of God putting the right person in your life and family situations and so forth. Um, you know, it's, it is a common question that people ask, especially when you meet a, a new couple. How did you meet? How did you meet? Now, there's two types of people that are asking, well, there's more than two types. There's a few different types of people that are asking that question. There's cholerics, there's sanguines, there's, uh, you know, phlegmatics, there's melancholies asking that question. Some people are doing it, and, but it but used to be a standard procedure. If you asked me just about anything, but this is just one example that helped me. How did you two meet? Okay, well... So I was kind of dating this girl. She thought we was dating. I just thought we were friends, but she had a car. So I, um, as a saying she had a car. So yeah, I was, and, and so, and then I blah, blah, blah. And I go through this long story about how this, this girl was friends with Melanie. We were going to set Melanie up with my friend and the story goes on, but buddy, it's a long story. Some of you have heard it. And now listen, there's some of you right now that are saying, well, just tell it now, pastor. I'm interested. But not everybody's that way, uh, and I remember Melanie because at this time I was I was traveling. We were in a new church on a reg, you know I was preaching in a different church on a regular basis, so we were getting that question a lot, and so I was telling that same old story and long story a lot, and then finally Melanie just graciously says, "She's like Jesse, you know, not everybody wants to hear that whole story." I'm like. I'm like, you're crazy. Seriously. What do you mean not everybody wants to hear? Have you heard the story? What do you mean not everybody wants to hear this story? She's like, I'm just saying that it, it, it's 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 long. And I, she said, I think if you watch people's body language, you would maybe, and I can't remember everything she said, but you know, something long, you'd maybe notice. And I'm like, no, no. And I, I just thought that was the fool, most foolish thing. I'm like, you're crazy, woman. And then uh, it was the craziest thing. I, I remember it, man. But it was—it was—it was a profound moment in my life when we're in a church. And and now, so we we've already discussed this. And she just says, "Well, I'm like, what would I say then? I mean, this is how we met. There's no abbreviated version, right? And literally, I guess it was probably a choleric or somebody that come up and just uh, nicely asked the question and said, So, how did you two meet?'" And I and I was. <sighs> And while I was getting my breath to uh, get the story out, Melanie just quickly says, "Through a friend." Oh, that's nice. And on they go. They were sad. They were content. And I'm flabbergasted. I kid you not. I'm like standing there with my mouth open. That stunk. That doesn't tell how we meet. What What is this? But the point is, as a sanguine. It honestly flabbergasted me that someone, so, so when you encounter this, by the way, this happens with cholerics too, but when you encounter that person that just will not shut up about their experience and about their testimony and about whatever else, it's like, oh my gosh, all I asked you was, do you know where Casey's is at? <laughs> you know? And... Uh, and, and they go on and on. And, but, but understand that that person, I mean, I'm, and I, I thank God so much, because y'all know I'm bad. Y'all know I can still do those kinds of things. But if it wasn't for Melanie, I, you know, God putting her in my life, and, and I'm telling you, she was respectful about it. She was gracious about it. But that helped me understand that not everybody is interested in my long, st- whatever story it is. Um, and I have tried to learn sanguins, cholerics, just try to be considerate. Quit being so selfish. Try to start looking at other people's body language. Yeah. I mean, and I hate to say this, but I'm telling you honestly, when you yeah. are going on and, on and on, I'm not going, I'm just telling the story The details are important. But when you see that person, oh yeah, kind of start angling away from you just a little bit, don't keep going. <laughs> I mean, don't say, oh man, you kind of turned away there. Did, did you not hear the story i'm trying to tell you <laughs> start noticing that they get a little fidgety and all that saying you know what and, and don't get offended by it just understand that maybe they just don't have time or maybe they're just not interested in that right now okay and just try to find a way to wrap it up and i try to do that god bless you i really try to do that but as bad as i am today i, w- I would be worse if it wasn't for melanie's help and the Lord's help, not necessarily in that order, but God really used her in that way with me. Okay, so there I went with the story. Uh, so for a sanguine, a lot of times they are their own favorite persons. What, most of what they say revolves around their interest and their desires. They are driven by a need to gain, gain the approval of others. Even when they break uh, their wedding vows, uh, self-indulgence impels them to consider the uh, never con- uh, impels them to consider the trauma experienced by others until it's too late, because at the time, it's just self-indulgence, it's just self-approval. And one of the one of the big misunderstandings now this is a different one of the big difference between a choleric and a sanguine. A sanguine is that outgoing person that's all about them, wants to be the center of attention, and you wouldn't think that a self-conscious person wants to be the center of attention. But sanguins are often very self-conscious. We're trying to get people's approval. We are not confident oftentimes. We just come across as confident. And we're hoping that our confidence maybe uh, maybe gets a reaction that gives us some attention, that gives us some words of affirmation, um, or whatever the case may be. Um, So only the spirit-filled life can modify the temperament of a sanguine. And again, I believe part of the spirit-filled life is God using brothers and sisters. By the way, this is a great Sunday school lesson. Today I'm going to be trying to preach a little bit about the church today, about the local church. So this is a great lesson leading up to talking about the local church. But God uses the local church. He uses our families. He uses our parents to help us as well. But ultimately, it's the spirit of God that gives us victory over these things. Unselfish sanguines are rare. Only the spirit-filled life can modify this temperament, making them others' conscience. And so as a sanguine, just be on the lookout of your selfishness. What are the decisions you're making that's just all about me? Are you considering other people? Are you considering your family? Or is it all just about you? And what you want? And how your day was? And about how your life is going? Nobody else matters but you. That's Uh, that's one of the selfishness and sanguine really go together. The next one, of course, that I believe I said, of course, but I believe falls in line to this that we think of more obviously as being selfish are cholerics. Cholerics are subject to compulsive selfishness. Uh, they know they are right even when they're wrong and they never hesitate to impose their will on others, having little need for the approval of others. See, a choleric doesn't need others' approval. They really don't care how demanding and unsympathetic they are. Insensitive to friends and associates, they will seldom try to hide their selfishness. One reason they have so few lasting friends is that they are so self-centered and unreasonably demanding of all their acquaintances. And obviously, just like with Sanguine, we're talking about the extreme of the choleric here. So the choleric can be very uh, selfish as well. With their, it's got to be whose way? My way. Uh, who's got to win? Me. Uh, you know, if, 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 it's not, if it's not going my way, then it's not going anybody's way. Right? I mean, it's just like, uh, it's a, a, a choleric. It's, they're, they're so, so, so selfish. Uh, so demanding. So uh, inconsiderate. And inconsideration, not, not sparing feelings. And not at least caring about what somebody, how somebody may feel. See, so we, we just get that idea of what? I get, as a choleric especially. It's the truth. What's it matter how you feel about it? What's it matter? Well, it does matter. It doesn't mean you can't speak the truth. But man, the Bible says that your speech should always be salted with grace. Amen. Put a little seasoning on that truth. Amen. And have put a little graciousness in that truth. Put a little consideration. Pray about it before you say it. I mean, and again, I know as a cleric, it's hard to even consider trying to be tactful. (laughs) I butt snickered. Uh, uh, Isn't it? It's like, I'm not going to be tactful. I'm going just head on. But I'm just saying, consider others. Think about others. Think about it's... (sighs) You know, it, it can be so black and white with the cleric sometimes. And, again, remember the challenge with the cleric is the cleric is not typically relational. They're more task-oriented, more bottom-line oriented, more than relational. So, But just be on guard uh, about being selfish, that it's got to be your way, you've got to be right, you, you, you will not apologize. You know, I mean, whatever the case is, you will not admit wrong absolutely not Uh, you'll deflect uh, you'll do whatever it's all selfishness and I'm telling you it's it's detrimental it's very detrimental and you say well you know my my family knows I'm like that and they love me anyway yeah but you're making it really hard you're making it really hard and 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 your relationships and family could be a lot better if you weren't such a jerk about it (laughs) so I thought that'd be funny anyway so, sanguines, cholerics, and then uh, thirdly and quickly, uh, melancholies. Could you think of a melancholy temperament as being selfish? What's some ways you think a melancholy could be selfish? Oh, woe is me. Yeah, woe was me. Uh, we don't think of that as selfishness, but it is. What about somebody else? You know, maybe, maybe they're having a tough time, too. Woe is me. Uh, uh, so, melancholies, da-da-da-da, uh, skip that part. Um... Any doctor will tell you that, that more of his active patients are melancholy than any other temperaments. The moment they feel pain, all thoughts are turned inward. The world must stop until the discomfort is alleviated. But they usually encounter other distress en route to solving the first problem. And I just thought that was funny. The moment they experience pain, discomfort, everything's got to stop. Whoa, everybody stop. It's about me right now. You know, things aren't right. Everybody rushed to my side to help me. Everybody come for me and tell me it's okay. In extreme cases, they have been known, and this isn't every, again, we're going with an extreme here. So uh, in extreme cases, they've been known to assume the fetal position, reflecting their desire to retain to the one time in life when they felt safe and every need was met by another person. Such people, unless they learn, to be others' conscious uh, are difficult to live with. They read into everything you say, uh, you say, and assume you're attacking or criticizing them. When in reality, you might not even be thinking of them. Boy, the uh, it's a little cloudy out today. Okay. Uh, it's like. So you're saying that I'm a, I'm a big cloud in your life. You're saying you're tired of my gloominess. You know, I mean, I mean it's just like, what? I mean, uh, now, and, 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 if you, and if you have had experience, if you're married to someone with, with a melancholy temperament, you, you have had this reaction on more than one occasion. What? I can't believe you just said that. And you're trying for the life of you to figure out what you just said. And here's the funny thing. What did I say? <laughs> I think I just said it. Did I say it's cloudy out there? I, I was just making a comment. Because you're being quiet and not talking. Because you're over here feeling <laughs> on something else anyway. <laughs> making conversation. I can't believe. What did you say? You said that I'm gloomy. You said that I'm dark. You said that I bring dark days into your life. And you're sitting there thinking. <laughs> Did I, <laughs> I, mean, I didn't realize I said all that stuff. Now, again, I'm kind of poking fun here a little bit, but uh, they read into everything you say and assume you're attacking and criticize them even when you uh, uh, aren't. By the way, it is a good practice and I, I know a melancholy person, and I'm, I'm grateful for this, that does try to get great, graciously get clarification. Just, and just by simply asking, not, not in a, what do you mean by that kind of way, but in a, what do you mean by that exactly? get clarification don't walk away saying wow i can't believe pastor said that today i can't believe my husband or wife said that uh in a gracious kind of way not in a claws out kind of what did you say way but in a now you said it was cloudy today i just want to make sure i know i'm being a little gloomy today were you referring to me when you said that at all no, absolutely not. I was not referring to you when I said it was cloudy today. Honey, you're my sunshine and my rainbow and everything, whatever, you know, but, uh, but, but, but the point is, is like that, that's one of the ways that you can kind of maybe counter that. Your, your behavior could be and probably is totally independent. Again, as a person relating to a melancholy person, your behavior could be and probably is totally independent of their emotions and hangups, but they can't understand that. Because just like sanguins think everybody is, like everything's about them as far as attention and everybody's interested in their stories, a melancholy can often think that everybody is either out to get them or should care that everybody else is out to get them and be concerned with them about this problem that they're having, this martyr type complex. Uh, Don't admit, however, that your behavior doesn't, so your behavior may not revolve around them, but don't admit that it don't revolve around them <laughs> because they'll take it as an insult. You know. In other words, you're just living your life going about your day and, uh, and sometimes the, to the extreme melancholy and the selfish side can think that everything you do has something to do with them. Uh, this type of temperament, when, when a melancholy is displaying this type of selfishness, they are almost impossible to please. Hey, did you see? I, I did what you was hoping I would do. Should have done it yesterday. You didn't do it right. You know? And it's like, oh. And you don't realize how deflating your selfishness is to other people when you do that kind of stuff. Um, fortunately, the Spirit of God can help uh, to overcome the selfishness of a melancholy. Um, oh, by the way, you know what's funny about this? I think it's, wait, where am I out of here for? Okay. I know I'm running out of time here, too. Boy, I'm out of time. I th- it's, it's a funny thing, though, because... Among the other gifts and talents of melancholies, music, uh, singing, they're in the arts and everything, what's another thing they like to do? They write. They're writers. Most, most every uh, author you've ever read behind is, has a melancholy temperament. Almost everybody you've ever heard sing has melancholy probably somewhere in their temperament. Um, but so here, the funny thing that, that I just thought about was that so many times when I'm doing these studies and, and, and resourcing other it's funny how much, how long the sections will be on melancholy. And I've, I started thinking earlier in my study, why is this? On the weakness sheet? I don't know if you remember this, but I did like most of the fonts in like a, a 10 font. I think in order to get it all on one sheet, I had to do like melancholy in an eight font. We're talking about the weaknesses. You know why? Because the melancholy wrote the book, seriously. Melancholies are the ones writing these articles oftentimes, and, and so it's funny that, that they, they've got a whole boatload of things they can tell you're wrong with them. Anyway, that's my theory anyway. Uh, well, I don't, have, I don't have time to get onto the phlegmatics, but I'll just say that phlegmatics come across and generally are most naturally the unselfish, the most unselfish, but uh, the point was going to be until you have to live with one because they can be so nonchalant, non-motivated, uh, they can be greedy. Phlegmatic can be very, very greedy, and so maybe we'll maybe we'll refer to that next week because I do want to say some things about that. Um, any uh, questions or comments as we close out today?